The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning. I am Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. How are you? You are listening to the Catherine Zox Show, and you are listening to Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller-Blake, my co-host. How are you doing this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am here, ready to dive in with you. I am here doesn't mean I'm doing well. I I didn't say I'm 100%. I said I'm here. So not 100%, (laughs) not feeling well, what, mental, physical? I have a little sore throat going, tired, woke up tired, you know. I'm okay. I'm just having one of those... Days where it would be nice to go back to bed right now, you know. Well, don't go back to bed till after the show. <laughs> <laughs> we need you. I need you. Uh, we got our guest, though. Our first guest. She may be perfect for you because it may be not just physical. Physical could be some mental stuff going on. Here's an emotional survival kit. The pocket therapist, Therese J. Borchard, and uh, she has this like little pocket. Actually, that's exactly what it is. It's a pocket therapist book. It has all these little truisms about how to take care of yourself if you can't afford to go to a therapist or you don't want to spend a lot of time in therapy. She describes it as an emotional survival kit, which I think most of us could use. Oh, my. Perfect. Yeah, it is. She's been in and out of mental hospitals, seven psychiatrists, 23 medical medicine combinations, two psych ward hospitalizations. And then on the back of her book, though, she's very attractive, young. Well, that will be fun. Yeah, so we'll see what she has to say. Got to tell you, you'll never believe what I did last week. How could I know? You do all kinds of crazy things. I'll believe anything. <laughs> you'll like this. You'll be very happy when you hear this because, and, and I wished you could have gone, but I went to New York City last, the 21st last week, and uh-huh. there was a conference at the uh, 92nd Street Y, which is very famous, April 20th to the 21st. I only got to go for the second day. It was a Twitter conference. Oh, oh, my goodness. Lauren, I'm impressed. It was, it was incredible. It I, was, I'm, you know, I thought as soon as you got the, the basics of Twitter, you'd love it. And this, what it, this is two days of people going up on the stage. You know, this is a huge, huge, uh, auditor, I want to say stage and auditorium at the 92nd Street Y in New York City. I don't know if you've been there. I hadn't been there. I have not been there, no. an amazing place. Um, and they went... Every day, like every 10 to 20 minutes, they had participants up there talking about Twitter, talking about not just Twitter, but social media. Foursquare. Do you know what Foursquare is? No, what's Foursquare? Foursquare is something that people are, are, I guess, a lot of younger people are using now. I'm not exactly sure how it's used. I have to go over all this material because I only went for the second day. But the Foursquare thing is you you tell people what, like, say, what restaurants you're at or where you're, it's kind of, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it's Oh, I know what you're talking about. No, no, I do know what you're talking about. This is for local, 
It's like if you're going to a restaurant, I just learned about it. That's so funny. If you're going to a restaurant and you want to check in, like I'm here and I'm going to rate the meatloaf, for example. Exactly. Yes. So you can draw business to a place. Definitely. And you have to be careful because you're telling people where you are in the world all the time. You're telling, yeah, so that's a whole other thing. That was something that they brought up. But some, I mean, they had authors and, and, and media people. They had moms and dads, how they use Twitter and how they use Twitter with their kids. They had people from, you know, psychologists, social workers, state workers, uh, and, and then they had some, Ann Curry was there. That was the first day. So was Donnie Deutsch, who I loved, but I didn't get to see him because I was there the second day. But um, they had just a myriad of people from New York City and around the country, actually from around the world, talking about how they use Twitter and how they use not just Twitter, social media in general. So what did you learn? What was, like, the best thing you learned? Um, one of the things that some that was, this is kind of simple, but that, that Facebook many people use or it's used for more personal connections and more personal relationships, uh-huh. whereas Twitter is used more for business. Like you really do set up a business model using Twitter yep. and drawing people to your business and, and actually generating business from it. And that that was just one thing. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but... Not that you don't do business through social net and through Facebook, because you can. You can have a business page and a personal page and all that. But that theme came up, um, which I thought was interesting. I, you know, I don't know how true it is. Well, how true is it for you? I don't know. Well, I have a. Um, I'm finding that with my Lauren Beller Facebook page. Yeah. I can't. I thought it would be personal, but you know, when I go speak someplace, it ends up that you know, there's a good chunk of those people that start following me. So I don't feel like my, I don't do a whole lot of really personal stuff on Facebook because it's not people that I know personally. It ends up being people that I know through work. So, so yours has just had a natural evolution. Yeah, it has. So it's a little more business. However, I personally don't blur lines between my personal life like you do. I know you're more defined between personal and business. My husband is too. I tend to, you know what, my friends are my family, my family are friends. You know what I mean? It's sort of they they blend and merge a little bit more. So, What about your daughter? What if you put her up on Facebook or information about that? Do you feel like you're perhaps exposing her to people? Um, you know, I am pretty thoughtful about what I put on about her. I'll put a photo, but I might not put her name. You know, I'll put a photo with her. She and I are together, but I might not put her name. Um, yeah, I tend not to put her name. I don't put a whole lot of photos of her. Um, but I have a really new cute one I should send. <laughs> <laughs> you sent me one which I can't open because it's on the wind. It's it's I can't. Oh, open. that's weird. The yeah, is, is very strange. But anyway, but so I want you to send it to me again because I right, I I'll am a friend and I do love the pictures. So darn cute, so big. Yeah. So yeah, I um, Facebook. It's I wish I had like just friends. You know, now I realize that you can group. Like I could show certain pictures just to friends. Yes. That, see, so I, I haven't done that. I haven't taken the time to sort through. I have like 500 followers on Facebook, so I don't want to sort through them all right now. That's like that's a project. Yeah, that's another project in and of itself. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I still post. I don't. I, I still post a couple of some personal stuff. Like the other day, this one was one of my favorite fun posts. My husband. Um, I forget what was happening. I wasn't feeling well. This was a while ago, a couple months ago, and um, I don't remember. I wasn't going to be home. I can't remember the details, but. My husband said he was going to make Sierra hot dogs. Now, now and then we eat organic hot dogs. That's what she, that's whatever, that's what we'll have. 
And um, he said he was going to make her a hot dog. And she says, but, Daddy, you don't know how to make a hot dog. That's my true line from my four-year-old. <laughs> so I posted on Facebook, if, you're, if your four-year-old says that Daddy doesn't know how to make hot dogs, does that mean he needs to spend more time in the kitchen? Well, I got a ton of responses, as you can imagine. Yeah, what kind of responses did you get? Oh, all different. It was all different. Like, absolutely, yes, get that man in the kitchen to um, maybe, what's his perspective, you know, <laughs> from my coach friends. That's the title for a book. It is. It's true. It is. It's a title for a book. Well, you talk about organic hot dogs, and I want to buy, this is something I think I, I was also in the city and went to something else. I've mentioned this Dr. Philip Landrigan, who is the head of, and this isn't the exact title, but he's at Mount Sinai Hospital, and he's in the, he's a professor and he's a physician and, you know, Harvard Law, Harvard Law School, Harvard Medical School, very, very well known, um, researcher, and he's, his, his, what he's doing now is doing a major research project on carcinogens and the effect it has on our children, on us, but also on our children and on mothers who are pregnant and the exposures that we have to all the environmental carcinogens, plastics, all of that stuff, and that 10, 15, 20 years later our daughters are getting breast cancer, exactly. as are we, and all of that. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Anyway, so I went to this. This was at a nursery school in New York City, uh, parents, uh, there are probably 150, mostly moms, interesting, probably just a few dads, but uh, one of the physicians who works with him, maybe you know this, but fragrances, fragrances wherever they are in, in shampoos and soaps are really bad for us. I knew and, that they were bad for us. I stopped wearing perfume probably 10 years ago. I right, well, perfume is more obvious, but I'm allergic to perfume and I'm allergic to fragrance, so I don't buy it anyway just because I'm allergic to it. But all the fragrances, apparently, this you should know, may have 100 different chemicals yeah. as part of the fragrance, but companies don't have to, to, to label have to tell it you, label really? because it's, it's considered proprietary information. Oh, wow, so let's that's say you have a cosmetic company that has 100 different fragrances in their lipstick, okay? But if it's a very, they, they don't have to mention those, even though they may be chemical carcinogens because, you know, it has to do with their special brand. That's interesting. And it's proprietary. Remember that when you're buying this stuff and makeup is, a, is personal products are, ter- are really not good in terms of... I, you know, I've been really um, just naturally becoming such a, minimal, a minimalist lately when it comes to makeup. And, I mean, I've been walking around without any the past couple, like, months, crazy. People, I, and I do, I, I'm wondering what's up with me, but I just, I don't feel like it's good for me. It's interesting you're saying this. Well, you're right. So you have, there's something instinctual about it. You, you, there's something that you feel and, and go with your gut because you are right. Well, I mean, you go without makeup, fine. I go without makeup. I scare people, but I don't well, care. So do I, but I don't care anymore. <laughs> and I don't care either. Well, I spent also, I was in uh, Tucson. I was in Tucson. I went to the Joan London retreat. Oh, right. How was it? It was. This is a retreat for you. It's a retreat for <sighs> professional women. This is the first time they've done it. It's called Camp Reveille because she does a Camp Reveille in Maine in the summertime with women. But this was at a Ritz-Carlton, a brand-new one that opened up in, in Tucson. So it was a beautiful resort, uh, 30 women, all very different, very diverse uh, group of women, uh, diverse in terms of, their, you know, lawyers, corporate women, um, 
therapists, HR people, just a whole variety, black, white. It was there. It was really interesting and a beautiful spot. And she was there the whole time. She wow. Was an amazing woman, amazing woman. I mean, she's this fabulous businesswoman. She was just part of the whole group for the whole three days. It wasn't, you know, sometimes celebrities will put their name to something. They give a lecture and then they leave. Yeah, you know, no, that's true. She stayed, huh? She She was a part of it. Wow, yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah, now she's coming out with a line of bedding uh, on QVC. This, I think it's May 12th, uh, which is going to be sold at Target and uh, Walmart. And she's going, to, I think May, I think it's May 12th, not sure, but you can Google it. Anyway, and she looks great. Her face. Oh, do you think she had any work done? No. <laughs> Lauren, am I the first person to say that, that they have, yes, I am, that they had work done? That you have or haven't? Well, I look at somebody and I see somebody over 50 or over 55, which she is, and I will say... Oh, you you would say the first to admit it, you mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I say, yeah. No. You don't think so, huh? No, no, I don't. And I was up close, I mean, I sat with her most of the time for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, look at you. She has an amazing face. I mean, just cool. take care of it, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, if you, I, I guess if you take care of it. How'd you get to sit with her every day? She was uh, part of the group, and we got along really well. So, I mean, we were just, it was a very small group of people. How many people were there? I would say there was 30, and probably, you know, and a few of them were her people who are part of her entourage. So... Um, maybe there'd be three tables for breakfast. Wow. But, yeah. It was a great, you know, you could, there were things to do if you wanted to, but you didn't have to do them. I got up every morning and climbed the mountain from 6.30 to 7.30, as did she. She was always climbing. Not everybody did. We had a guide. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was, you know, that was... Next time you got to give me a little heads up so I can go. All right, I, I would love to go with you because there is going to be another, and you'd love it, and I think they're, they're going to be at this, these types of places. Brilliant. Yeah, and you'd love it. It sounds like it. Yeah. I'm going to a retreat tomorrow more for, you know, entre- women entrepreneurs, and, it's, and that's in Dallas. I'm driving. It's going to sound like yours is much more fun. Yeah, this is fun. I mean, but you can network at the same time. But sure, you can also yeah. lie out at the pool and have your margaritas at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my kind of retreat. It's exactly your kind of retreat. Love it. Oh, All right, we're going to take a break. Lauren Beller, Blake, Catherine Zox. It's the Catherine Zox Show. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. I don't think I mentioned that in the beginning. VoiceAmericaVariety.com slash World Talk Radio. We're on both, my dear. Anyway, we'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program, Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. 
Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, with my co host, Lauren Beller Blake, and you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and also World Talk Radio. And joining us this morning is Therese J. Bourchard, author of The Pocket Therapist. An emotional survival kit. I think all of us, and I said this earlier on the show, Therese, need an emotional survival kit. I know you've had, <laughs> this is great because it is, it's exactly that. It's a tiny little book, but it's got all kinds of little gems in it for survival. Uh, and I'm just going to read the back cover. It says, I'm guessing that you are too broke or busy to go to therapy, or maybe you do see a shrink, but it's never enough. I've done both. You wish you had some emotional cliff notes to carry with you in case something really bad happens because you know it's coming eventually. And so this is the book you need to buy. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Therese. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Okay, so The Pocket Therapist. uh, And this is not your first book, right? This is uh, you wrote your memoir, Beyond Blue. I did, yeah. Beyond Blue is sort of the what happened (laughs) and the pocket therapist is sort of what do we where do we go from here? Okay, what happened and how, now how can we help ourselves? Give us a background on because you've experienced some pretty tough stuff yourself. I mean, the book didn't come both of these books didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah, unfortunately, people ask if I'm a therapist, and I said no, I'm a patient. <laughs> so that's what it came from. Um, I've struggled with anxiety and depression all my life, um, eating disorders, um, alcohol abuse. You know, you go down the list. But it's really when I had my kids that I had the full-blown um, in-the-hospital depression. And I went through two years where I just really wanted more than anything to be dead. And coming back from that, I really had to fight for my life um, harder than I fought for anything. And so I've compiled what helped me. And the, my memoir, Beyond Blue, sort of tells the story of um, what it was like and how I emerged. And the pocket therapists are 
some of the tools that I keep to, um, you know, help me stay in a buffer zone. So you had, I mean, you really went into a deep depression after you had your children. You've got two kids. I did, yeah. The second one, interestingly enough, um, after I weaned her, I breastfed both of them, and I think that gave me a little bit of um, insurance, but then when I um, weaned, that's when I really um, just really hit bottom. And I I did the full spectrum. I I tried to find a doctor, a psychiatrist that would um, help me. And after like the fourth, well, that one of them I call him uh, Pharma King in my in my memoir. I'm um, just totally over medicated, um, so medicated that that's why I had to go to the hospital the first the first time. I was taking like 16 pills a day or something like that. It was kind of outrageous. Um, and so I became very distrustful of um, traditional medicine and did everything. Um, acupuncture, um, craniosacral therapy, did everything alternative to see if I could heal myself that way. And while I think that some people can with mild and moderate depression or fleets of anxiety, I ultimately I was um, bipolar. And I think for that, you know, you just really, you have to get yourself on medication in order to allow yourself to do the hard work of cognitive behavioral therapy, of um, of just all of the, all of the, tools that you need to work on, I don't think you can, you can work on them until you're stable. And so that's what the, the mood stabilizer did for me. So you need a combination. I need a combination. I, 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 I agree with you. I think the combination, of course, depending on what your diagnosis is, and you're talking about bipolar, which is a serious diagnosis, so you combine Western and Eastern medicine. Not, it's not all or nothing. It's not right. all. Right. I, I, that's exactly what I do. But I'm, I, I notice that I'm kind of rare because usually people just reach for one or the other. But I think you have to do both. I mean, I don't think that you can just take your pills and expect yourself to be able to be okay. I mean, I throw every day, every single morning, I throw everything I have at it. I, you know, sit, run six miles. I um, take my omega-3 pills. I pray and meditate. I um, do cognitive behavioral sheets. I do gratitude prayers. I do, you know, I mean, I throw everything at it. And so I was glad to have sort of abandoned medication for that time so I could, so that I could really see the perks of the Eastern medicine. But at the same time, I was glad that I was made aware that that wasn't all that I, I needed the the help, the boost of the of the medicines too. Do you feel like you're fighting it every day? Do you feel like you have to get up in the morning and 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 fight? Because I'm hearing you saying I get up in the morning, I run six miles, and I do my meditation, I do my yoga, I take my medication, I do this. Do you ever feel like, oh, I just want to stop, or that it's kind of it's a struggle to have to get through all of this stuff every day so that you'll feel well, or so that you'll maintain a balance, a psychological balance? I have days where it's not as hard. I have days where um, I am able to wake up in the morning and think about my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but um, more than not, I really have to fight every day to stay sane. My um, godmother, my aunt, committed suicide when I was 16. She was bipolar, schizophrenic. And I guess I just have that memory in my mind that I know that if I don't treat this thing seriously, then it's going to destroy me. And so I just really, and I've sort of made it my mission when I wanted to just be done with life for two years, I I sort of made a bargain with God and I said, if I ever wake up one day and want to be alive, I will dedicate the rest of my life to people in this pain. And I guess that's what I do, you know, because I I really feel like um, every day there, but for the grace of God, go I. You're 
vigilant is the word that I, I think of. You're, you're very vigilant about what you're doing. And um, how does the family come into that, your two kids? I don't know how old they are. And you're married, your husband. Yes, they're, um, my kids are six and eight, and I guess that's the reason, too, that I, you know, I can't afford to eat junk food. I can't afford to um, drink alcohol. None of that stuff. I mean, I have to do every single thing I can in my day to promote health because because of my kids. You know, I know what it's like when I um, when I'm crying in front of them. My son was uh, three when I kind of plummeted to my depth, and I think my younger one was too young to remember. But I, I felt a tremendous amount of guilt um, from the time he was three to five because I was crying so often. And in fact, I remember one time we were on his bed. And he was taking a toy um, police car, and he said, you're in the back. And I said, why am I in the back? And he said, because you're bad. And I said, well, why am I bad? He said, because you cry so much. And I just, my heart just, you know, broke in half because here I was, you know, punishing him for his tantrums, and but that's all he saw me doing, you know, for two years. So, um, so my kids are, you know, a, a reason that I just really throw everything I have at it. I am extremely lucky to have a husband who understands. I don't think he understood at first. Um, he has come a long, long ways, and he is so supportive. He uh, actually took off three months' worth of his job to be there for me because he was so afraid that if he would leave me alone, I, I might take my life. It was um, So I'm, I'm really blessed to have him. I think I've just read that a good marriage can really uh, can really put you in a, it can be your confirmation, it can be your insurance against um, falling into the abyss, that it's one of the reasons, one of the things that really prompts you up, is uh, makes you strong as a good marriage. And so, yeah, I, and it sounds like he's an amazing man, and I always think, is there, does he ever get resentful, or does he, I mean, you obviously, the two of you, it sounds like you're able to work it out, and I, the the words that come up are like happiness and fun. Do they come into the picture with the two of you or with the kids or with the whole family? You know, one thing that he has really done for me, I remember I was kind of a solemn, um, I just was a very serious kid and a very religious kid. And I remember the first time he met my mom, he said, holy is out, happy is in. <laughs> and what he has done for me is just given me so much humor and laughter and just laughing at, you know, just the stupid stuff in a day. I think that's how we have fun. And, and even with the disease or the disorder, he's he's been able to come up with, he calls it my little man, you know, when my little man is angry inside my head and he's shouting things at you. He says, what, you, what is your little man saying today? Like my little man says that I'm, you know, ugly, fat, and stupid. <laughs> well, the little man doesn't know what he's talking about. So he's really, he's so good about, um, you know, finding ways of talking about my illness and in, in a fun kind of um, playful manner that, that can add some levity to a very serious thing. So your illness has brought the two of you together rather than to push you apart, it sounds like, for whatever the reasons, just your personalities or there's something there that that's it's a challenge in a, in a i guess in, a, in somewhat of a positive way to to as you say to boy boy you up or to to um to get you through it i guess um yeah i think you know like any tragedy you when you've hit bottom you can see what's most important and i think pre 
pre-breakdown, my work was probably my focus and to get, you know, published and to be in these papers and to get a bestseller and blah, 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 blah. And I think um, having that breakdown, I, I now know that my family is first and that I'm so lucky to have them and that if I have a day where I'm not able to write anymore or use my brain or do anything cognitive, <laughs> that, um, that I still have a loving family and my life is fine. Um, and you've been so successful, so you must have what, whatever you're doing at this point is. It seems to me it's so right because you have to have energy to write books, and you have to have energy uh, to blog, and you have to let's you know your webs. You know, let's talk about some of that because your website or you have like you blog on a daily basis. I do. I'm two to four times a day. <laughs> Wow. It's it's a lot. But, you know, it connects me. It's really my ministry because it connects me with the people who are where I was three years ago, and I need to be connected with them as much as they need. Let me read the statistic. You are connected. One of the highest traffic blogs on beliefnet.com, it averages 750,000 page views a month. So you are out there. Well, I'm out there. It's um, I feel very... Very lucky to be with BeliefNet. Um, it was a perfect fit for me. Um, and I feel very lucky to have the readers that I do because whenever I let my guard down, and let's say I've had a really bad day about three weeks ago or four weeks ago, I was talking about the negative intrusive thoughts, the, the thoughts of, of death. They were so regular that it was like contractions, you know, like every six seconds. I, would I know have what it. they are. <laughs> <laughs> what, you do know what they are? I have three boys. Three pre- three contractions. I know what contractions are. The pain. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you know when I let my guard down, or like this one video, I just I bawled my eyes out in it, and I thought, oh my god, here goes my prospective job. <laughs> you know, if I ever need to work for the government, I'm out of luck. Uh, but um, so whenever I let my guard down and really be real with my readers, they so appreciate that. Appreciate that, and and then I'm sort of um strengthen in return, you know, because it feels like I've been able to use my suffering for a meaning. You are the real deal. There's no question about it. We're going to take a short break. The Pocket Therapist, uh, Therese Borchard, and when we come back, you have your own, you kind of alluded to it, but your own sanity file, all the tricks and the techniques that you use to um, keep yourself sane in between therapy sessions. We're going to hone in on those when we come back. I'm Catherine Zox. Your social worker with a microphone with Lauren Beller Blake. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Ask the experts. Call toll free right now 1 866 472 5787. And ask our all star team to answer your question. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. This is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. 
If your pets could talk, they'd tell you to tune in to Pet Shop Talk. Join internationally recognized animal massage therapist Lola Jean Michelin every week for a show that covers everything from nutrition, health care, and training for your pet or animal. Lola and her guest experts will bring you the latest trends in the pet care industry. And even if you're not a pet owner, you'll find out why pets do the crazy things they do. Tune in each Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zopp Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back on Catherine Zopp, your social worker with a microphone. With my co-host, Lauren Deller-Blake, and you're listening to the Catherine Zock Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com, which is also played on World Talk Radio. And our guest this morning is Therese J. Borchard. She's author of The Pocket Therapist, An Emotional Survival Kit. And so we've been talking about her story, your story, Therese. And now you have this what we call a sanity file. Let's get down to the specifics, all the tricks and the techniques and all the stuff that you use between therapy sessions to keep yourself sane. Can we talk about some of those? <laughs> You know, I think my favorite one is, um, well, two. One, don't go to a hardware store for tomatoes Um, (laughs) because I do that in all of my relationships. You know, I would never go to a hardware store and ask for bread or tomatoes. um, But I do that, you know, in my relationships, especially growing up in an alcoholic home. I would do that over and over again with my dad and come away rejected and, and so forth. And so if I just use that common sense, and remember it in those terms, those very sort of elementary terms, I can save myself just so much heartache. So true. I, I, in other words, it's all ha- it has to do with expectations. We yes. set the wrong expectations for relationships, for, uh, for events, for, any, for a lot of things. And then you just you set yourself up for disappointment or more. Exactly. Um, I think. That, did you ever read that book, The Four Agreements? Oh yeah. Dude, yeah, I Great love book. that. Um, don't make assumptions and don't. Um, what is it about expectations or um, um, don't take things personally? That's what it was. Because you know, if you can, um, if you can see the other person's, if you if you don't internalize it, then you don't have to feel it. And you know. How much freedom is that and not having to take something someone does or say personally? <laughs> um, and then the other one that people like is um, keep your sponges separate. And this is, goes back to Eric as well. He's sort of the um, domesticated person in our family since I lack all skills. And um, I was cleaning up the, I guess it was the kitchen counter with the toilet sponge. <laughs> <laughs> And he was horrified and took it out of my, took the sponge out of my hand and said, we don't cross-contaminate in this house. <laughs> and it sort of made me, 
relate that to the problems that we absorb, the other people's problems. Great metaphor. Yeah, like, you know, our kids and um, or my friend's marital problems. I end up somehow taking that and wondering, you just absorbing it and usually spending too much energy on that. And so if I can remember to keep my sponges separate, then I just retain a lot more energy and have that... Uh, have that go to the right places. Yeah, you have to be aware that you're doing. I think that that's something. I, I shouldn't say vigilant. Every time I use that, it sounds like it's like a task and it's more difficult. But awareness and be aware that you're doing that. It's easy. I think women in particular mm-hmm. have a propensity for doing that. Yeah. I, I think that somehow the male brain is hardwired to not do that like we do. Um, yes. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Which is another one of my points is to think like an engineer. Um, and with this, like when I go to the ice maker and it's broken, I will push that thing maybe 50 times to see now if it works. <laughs> Whereas, you know, when air comes downstairs, he pushes it once, maybe twice. Oh, something's jammed. Goes in there, pulls out the jam. Now it works. But so if I can do that, you know, with my problems, think of all the time and energy I'll save. So I sort of I, one of it is think like an engineer or bring in the engineer. Yeah. Well, and another way of saying that is if you keep doing the same thing, you'll get the same thing back. Right, which is one definition of insanity, when you do the same thing expecting different results. And that's, I think that is a common behavior that gets us into trouble. That yes. Doing yes. It and, and then wondering why. Um, one of the, you say creative approaches like schedule the obsession and call a board meeting. What, what do you, tell, what, Therese, what does that mean? Schedule the obsessions helps me when I'm just totally obsessing about something and it, you know, it's it's bombarding me during the day. If I say, okay, thought, I have you scheduled for 7 p.m. at which time I can write in my journal every single obsession I have and how this obsession is going to ruin my life and what if this happens, what if this happens, what if this happens. I'm scheduling 15 minutes for my obsession. So then... When it starts to, when I, when it comes into my head throughout the day, I can say, oh, it's not your time yet. <laughs> it actually good advice. Works. I do that in the middle of the night when I have insomnia and I wake up and I start obsessing. And I will say kind of just in, in the same way that you, what you just said, that this is not the time for it. I will yeah. do it tomorrow. I'm going yeah. to think about but this you, tomorrow. You at actually a certain- dedicate pencil out in your calendar five or ten minutes where you can just record it, Cause, because the writing it down really helps, too. In writing it down, you sometimes come to some resolutions or at least be able to express it, and um, it, it has been known to have some physiological benefits. Well, Lauren, you're a big one for writing everything yeah. down, journaling. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always notice a difference, and I think, um, well, the whole pocket therapist actually came from what I call the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> All my journals from uh, from therapy. Do you think, you know, you, you, you diagnosed as bipolar, you have all this emotional stuff, but do you think this plus part of that is there's a whole creative element to that because you're such a creative person? I mean, I know there's all the, the, the bad stuff and the turmoil, but some of the good stuff is all this creativity that comes from it because you see things from so many different perspectives, which can be painful to you, but at the same time it gives you all this 
this knowledge and this ability to express yourself to everyone. Well, thank you for saying that. Actually, it brings up another one, which is honor your neurosis. Exactly, exactly what you were saying, that yeah. I can't really say that, um, you know, the obsessive compulsive side of me is totally bad because it's also the side that turns in a manuscript three months early. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's every every sort of neurosis has its positive element. So you can't really bash the neuroses that you have. You can You don't have to celebrate them, but you can look at them and honor what they do give you. Yeah, because most people are sitting there not getting it in in three months. It's taking three years, and they never finish the manuscript. Mm -hmm. They probably aren't up obsessing at night, too, though. (laughs) Or, you know, confined to the psych ward for for days on end. But, you know, I I mean, I I did get my manuscript in on time. (laughs) Amazing. What about, uh, you? do you have other books in the, I mean, I'm sure stuff is always going on in your head, like the next book, the next, project um you know i would love to do a book on hope because if there's one word that i hear more than any from my readers it's it's that they have gotten a sense of hope from um my writing and i think that's really what you need more than anything else to recover from anything um they doctors have said that hope is does the best thing for your body that anything can and um and it's what you need to get through you know anything so um so possibly that let's talk about hope is hope i mean what is hope based on Do you, is it i think hope just gives you a reason for keeping on you know i i have several people a day tell me that they are so close to taking their own lives but the one thing that keeps them is a sense of hope that maybe tomorrow might not be as bad or tomorrow may be better or that they you know, can can find a way to to live um, that's less painful, and I think as long as you have the hope, you know, they they've written um, stories about the not um, people in, in the uh, concentration camps, and those that lived were able to somehow hang on to hope, like concentrate on a flower that that was there in the camp, or just you know, very small signs of meaning um, of of empowerment and concentrating on that. And I think if if I can help, you know, compile passages on hope, that, that could be a pretty powerful text for anyone with any kind of um, disease or illness. And hope implies the future. There's a yeah. future. Yeah. A hope in, implies the future and, and that the future somehow has promise. You know, I guess it's it goes back to your your faith in 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 God and in in a sense of meaning that that your suffering does have a meaning that it's not for for nothing you know it's it that we that there that there's a sense of the beautiful in what's so ugly um so it's the rose i guess that the seed that blooms once the once the winter has already melted it's that you know the sprout of new life in the rose that that blooms i guess that's what I would hope to capture um, maybe compiling other people's, um, you know, the, the philosophers and the psychiatrists and the um, uh, writers throughout history that have been able to capture hope. Like hope is the thing with others. Um, I think it was uh, Dickinson that said that. So, 
So that's the next book, Hope. Hope, possibly. Hope, yes, and that's well said. One last thing, because we have a couple minutes left. I mean, do you ever feel, because in doing all this and being uh, more than a role model, but an, an inspiration to all of these, your, the pe- people reading your book and your blog, do you ever feel a responsibility to them? I mean, do, do you ever get have to keep yourself somewhat, you can't be so connected that, you know, I mean, you talk about some people who, you know, suffer from despair and, and you know, maybe give up hope. I mean, what's your connection to that? Well, I feel like I have to stay healthy enough to be able to concentrate enough to write. <laughs> you know, and and my family is certainly most important, but I but I do feel like I there there've been readers that have told me that your words are what's keeping uh, me alive or me from from walking off the cliff right now and that it 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 does sort of, um, it's a responsibility that's a little bit of a weight, but at the same time, that's the kick in, in my butt that says, you know, you have a mission, and in order to do your mission, you have to stay as healthy as possible, and that's why you can't go, you know, eat M&Ms for breakfast. Right, you, and you're you know. doing it, and I am. it's been just great having you on the show. I mean, we have to say goodbye, but I... The Pocket Therapist, I want to make sure everybody knows you can buy it online, bookstores everywhere. It's an emotional survival kit. Therese J. Borchard, and Therese, I'm going to, um, author of Beyond Blue, too, I want to mention that book. And um, beliefnet.com? Yes, slash Beyond Blue. Great, terrific. We'll have Thanks. to have you on again. We have a lot Thank more to so talk about. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Thanks. We'll be back in a few minutes. Lauren Beller-Blake, Captain Zox, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Don't go away. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Best Boomer Towns delivers the inside scoop on the best 21 places to relocate or retire in the U.S. Listen to columnists, town bloggers, and local residents as we highlight a town each week. Talk show host Nancy Shaka brings you the best and the brightest. As a baby boomer, you experienced Beatlemania, Woodstock, Vietnam, and the women's movement. Today, you're educated, health-minded, and thinking about where to spend your future. Tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, to Best Boomer Towns every Thursday on the Voice America Variety Channel and start planning the best rest of your life. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. 
Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back, Lauren and I, on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. I'm your social worker with a microphone, Catherine Zox. Lauren and I are talking to Elaine McGee. She's been on the show a couple times, maybe even more than that. She's a uh, registered dietitian and is fondly known through her national column and on WebMD.com. We all know WebMD.com as the recipe doctor, author of 25 books. The book we're going to be talking about today is Tell Me What to Eat If I Suffer from Heart Disease, Nutrition You Can Live With. Heart disease, welcome to the show, Elaine. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a big problem. I mean, how many people every year, I always like to start out with a statistic, how big is the problem? How many people die every year of uh, heart heart attacks or heart-related disease? Millions, and I think for women, um, one of the things when I interviewed cardiologists for the book, one of the things they really, the message they wanted to send was to women that heart disease is their number one killer more than all cancers combined. I think for that particular population group, I mean, us all being women, um, our biggest fear might be, you know, cancer, uh, breast cancer, ovarian, et cetera, but if you look at the statistics, actually heart disease is the number one killer. If you well, look at it another way... There, but, um, and Lauren, tell me, do you, I don't know if this is your experience, but Elaine, it's true, I'm worried about breast cancer and ovarian cancer, and cancer is my biggest fear, and then when I turn around, I know so many family, friends, who, let's say women who have breast cancer have been diagnosed, but I don't know that many who have died of a heart attack. So is I I mean is that just me or is that um well it it could be but also as we get older um that's when see when w- women go through menopause it's almost like estrogen helps protect them and then once you get, go through menopause it's not protecting you anymore. Um so the for women the rates escalate after menopause. It's almost, it starts, you know, Mirroring, mirroring, mirroring the risk of men. If we look at it this other way, like if there were some recent um, statistics show that if if we did six things, we would prevent 27 million heart attacks in the next 30 years and 10 million strokes. And you'd probably guess what some of them are. Like, quit well, we're smoking. not going to guess. You're going to tell us what are they? <laughs> quit smoking if you're smoking. Um, get your Body mass index, you know, out of the obese range. Um, Which is what, below 30? Yes. Um, Get your LDLs, which are the bad cholesterol, under control. Um, Get your blood pressure into the normal range. Get your blood sugar under control. 
Uh, and the last one is to take aspirin if your doctor tells you to because of your heart disease risk. So for those six things, over the next 30 years, 27 million heart attacks prevented 10 million strokes. I mean, it's, it's, and here's the other statistic I think that, you know, with all the healthcare debate that's been talked about, um, the cost in 2010 alone for cardiovascular disease and stroke is estimated to be 503 billion. And that's, you know, costs, healthcare costs, but also lost productivity. I mean, and that's, that's a six percent. It's really hard for me, and I think for the average person to think in in those terms and mm-hmm. to really think about what did you say, five hundred and thirty billion dollars. Five hundred and three billion, and that's two thousand ten. And that's an increase of six percent from two thousand nine. What about our genetics, though, Elaine? Can we overcome? Let's say we come from a family where heart disease is prevalent, and we follow those. Do what you said with the six things: blood mm-hmm. pressure, exercise. Can we overcome some of our bad genes so that we won't be? Absolutely. Perfect? You know, the first the first place genes get you is with you know overweight. Um, that's the first place genes will get you because. Some of us are programmed genetically to survive potato famines. <laughs> you know, I always joke that, you know, um, because... We're waiting. Of, you know, I'm waiting for that potato famine so well, I can eat. Yeah, it, go on. It's not. It's probably not going to happen, no. hopefully, but but some of us still have those genetics that, that kept our ancestors, um, you know, in good shape. Um, we all know who we are, you know, most likely. Um, I call them, you know, there's like the apples, the pears, and the bananas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for body shape. Who are and the bananas? I know the apples the and the pears. The bananas are the naturally thin people. Uh, we don't like to talk Lauren, about them. That's Lauren. Lauren, you're talking to a banana. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like to talk about them, though. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, um, yes, you can. You know, you can do the best you can with your genetics. And here's one example. My mom, I'm 100% Dutch, and my mom's father and all of his brothers, they all literally died right around the age of 50 boom, 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 from heart attacks and strokes. And they were raised, you know, my grandfather's father was a butcher and raised all his kids on, you know, extra rich milk, um, the, you know, the marbled cuts of beef. And in my mom's generation, you know, she came here, but, but you know, she's been more health conscious for sure. And now she's, you know, a breast cancer survivor at 76, you know, having the time of her life. So um, you can... You, you really can override some of those genetics. And sometimes you've got the genetics will, will give you the high blood pressure, the high um, bad cholesterol, the high triglycerides. I think there's a genetic influence there as well. But there are, in the book it shows you, you know, what those numbers mean, like what those measurements mean. I think that's my favorite chapter, the Know Your Numbers chapter um, in Chapter 2, because it, it tells you what the numbers mean because your doctors often tell you, you know, your blood pressure is, you know, 150 or whatever it is. And he's like, well, what does that mean? So it tells you what it means, but it also tells you what you can do about it. So the cool part is um, that a lot of the things that you want to do for one particular risk factor is the same thing you want to do for the other ones. So there's this common denominator, and that's where the 10 food steps um, in the book that help reverse and slow down heart disease and placking, that's what they kind of represent is putting it all together. 
Yeah, which um, is what you did in the book. You make it very clear, easy to understand, just like you said. I mean, if one wants to go out and get the book, you it, yeah, know your numbers. So when the doctor throws these numbers at you, they mean something in the context of somewhere, and then you know what to do about it, right? Yeah, you have somewhere to go. You have and, somewhere to go. You know, Elaine, I don't know if I should mention on the air, but we went out to a restaurant for lunch the other day, um, well, it was Fridays, and it was I hadn't been there in a long time, and now, at least in the area here in New York where I am, they list the calories. Yeah. Well, now, each I could not find anything on the entire menu that had less than 400 calories. This is for lunch, and I ordered yeah. the one thing. The rest yeah. of them had twelve to 1,500 calories for lunch. It's it's eye opening and that's largely the portion sizing, and what also people I tell people a lot of those um, when they list the calories like that, that includes the dipping sauces and all the stuff that they um, traditionally serve with the item. You know, like at Cheesecake Factory, that number includes that whipped cream. <laughs> You so if you take off the whipped cream, you're already a little you're bit better. ahead of the game. You're getting yeah. better, and, and I'm, I'm probably one of those, you know, annoying uh, res- restaurant goers because I always, you know, I'm saying, can you put that on the side? Yes. Can put you grill this side instead so, of fry it? No, I think we need this prepared. You know, that's exactly, me. Yeah. <laughs> they need to put that on the side part of the restaurant, the people who want everything on uh, on the side because I'm one of those too, and they do well, it now. You, I think, you yeah. control you control what's added then, you know, and that's um, if it's a flavorful sauce or or um, dressing, you don't need that much, you know. You can pull you can pull it off with uh, with just a little, and that's um, and that's going to save you a lot. Uh, and then, of course, like we were saying, the the portion sizing. But I think the other thing that's come up the last year or two in terms of the research um, is the other reason we overeat as Americans is is the trifecta, I call it the tempting trifecta of fat, sugar, and salt. Fat, sugar, and salt, on that note, we have to say goodbye. Just keep that in mind and get the book, and, and uh, it's, that's the trifecta. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It, the name of the book is Tell Me What to Eat If I Suffer from Heart Disease, Nutrition You Can Live With, Elaine McGee. Great book, easy to read, gives you all the information. If you follow it, you'll be healthy, you'll live to 100, hopefully. Yeah, I'm, 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 you know, halfway there myself. <laughs> exactly. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. You've been listening to the Catherine Zox Show, your social worker with a microphone, VoiceAmericaVariety.com with Lauren Deller Blake. Have a great day, everyone, and we'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.